Welcome to the podcast for North Decatur Presbyterian Church. We are a Presbyterian USA congregation located in Decatur, Georgia. You can find out more information about the church, our service to the community, and our great education programs for children, youth, and adults at ndpc.org. And you can follow us on Facebook. If you're in the Atlanta area, we hope you'll come and join us in person. That's it. On to this week's scripture and sermon. Glad you had the box for short people here, so thank you. <laughs> it's our pleasure to be with you, Caroline. I enjoyed worshiping with you and being a part of this community of faith. That This is quite a Sunday. This is Juneteenth. This is Father's Day and Pride Month. Um, and we've got a very strange gospel lectionary passage, so we'll ask for God's Spirit to be among us as we share together. So let us pray. God, we thank you for calling us as your children. We thank you for bringing us here today. We thank you for all your gifts to us. So be with us now as we hear the words of Scripture and share together in the sermon. And let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. And let your spirit move through us to find our names and to find our identities as your children. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. The gospel lectionary passage today is from the 8th chapter of Luke. Uh, which is a very powerful chapter among many powerful chapters in that gospel. Right before this scripture that I'll be reading today, Jesus has walked on the water and calmed the water, and his disciples are astonished. And we'll pick up the story there as he comes to shore. I'll be reading from the 26th through the 39th verses of the Gospel of Luke. So let us listen for God's Spirit speaking to us. Then they arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. As Jesus stepped out onto land, a man of the city who had demons met him. For a long time, the man had worn no clothes, and he didn't live in the house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, what have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times the spirit had seized him, and he was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. But he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon out into the wild. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? And he said, my name is Legion. For many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now on the hillside, a large herd of pigs was feeding. And the demons begged Jesus to let them enter the pigs. And so he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the pig herders saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. And then the people came out to see what had happened. 
And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by the demons had been healed. And then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat to return. And the man from whom the demons had gone begged Jesus that he might go with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Well, if you haven't noticed by now, this is a crazy and weird story. But it's also very powerful. And as I said, there are many topics of the cover on today's Sunday, and I could go many places on these. And there's at least eight sermons that I could preach and not exhaust its meaning. Yes, I can tell by your laughter you don't want me to put them all into this one sermon. So I won't. But it's powerful and profound, but I'm just touching the surface of this passage in this sermon. So please let it percolate in your hearts and find yourself and what God has for you in this sermon and in this passage. I like this story so much, as weird as it is, because it helped me to understand the narrative of my life as a man classified as white. I grew up in segregated South, in the white supremacist South. And later when I rediscovered this passage as a young adult, it, has, it became a profound portal for me into my life and into the demons like racism that possess me. It's been a life-changing passage for me. It may not be for you today, but I hope you can find somewhere in this passage where you meet yourself and meet God. When I first encountered this story as a youth in youth group, it turned me off. It was kind of weird, but it turned me off. It seemed so primitive. It was so difficult, so far away from the modern understanding of myself and the world. Now, I do know people who believe in demonic possession like we see in this story and demons that hover over us waiting to possess us. I knew some folk like that who believed that and believed they were possessed like that. But I don't believe in those kind of demons. So I'd like to dismiss this story as kind of a primitive relic, outdated. And yet it's so fascinating. Its raw power suggests to us that it's pointing us to something fundamental about our lives in our time, indeed in every time, because it has strong lessons for us. It shows clearly that we can be demonically possessed. It shows clearly that demonic possession leads to death and destruction. And it shows clearly that it's costly to overcome demonic possession. It costs us something. But it also shows oh so clearly that Jesus has the power to overcome demonic possession. So I want to look at this passage straight up on its face. It has deep respect for the deep and continuing power of demonic possession. But it also asserts the grace and power and love 
of the gospel of Jesus Christ that can overcome even the most stubborn demonic possession. Well, what in the world is demonic possession the way I'm using it? Well, this is how I'll be using it today. It's forces and powers that are manifested in individuals and in communities. Forces that are deeply rooted in individual and communal consciousness. The Bible understands these kinds of forces to be enslaving and death-dealing. They capture us as individuals and as cultures and nations. And they exert a God-like force in our lives and intend to take us over and lead us into death for ourselves and others. On this Juneteenth, that's an obvious, powerful, demonic force. Racism and white supremacy that made slavery a possibility, and not just a possibility, but something at the very marrow of our country. And in our current atmosphere, I can think of no greater demonic possession than our love of guns in this country. We're so captured by our worship of guns that we're willing to sacrifice our children in order to keep our guns close by. We're demonically possessed. Now, when Jesus gets out of the boat, he encounters this man tormented by demons. We don't know this man's story. I don't know if Luke ever knew it or not, but he doesn't consider it to be so important. What he wants us to understand is demonic possession. And this man is so powerfully possessed that he's isolated out in the tombs, in the cemetery, in the graveyards. And in an echo of how people with mental illness are often treated, the community often tries to chain this man up, to shackle him up, but he breaks the chains. And so they send him out to live among the dead. Just get out of here. We don't care where you go. So Jesus seeks to heal this man, but it's a difficult healing. The demonic powers do not obey Jesus at first. It's unusual. The story tells us that Jesus commands the demons to come out of the man, but they don't obey. In most other places in the Gospels, the demons obey Jesus, but here they resist. They don't come out. Instead of obedience to Jesus, we get negotiation with Jesus. So how did this man get healed? Well, Jesus first asked him to give his name. What is your name? And the answer that the man gives is not Josiah or Joseph. The man answers, my name is Legion. The man is so possessed that he no longer has an identity of his own. He now identifies with the demon. Now Luke tells us that legion is used here to refer to the fact that there are many demons that possess this man. But scholars like Walter Wink and Gay Wilmore and Jackie Grant point out that legion, the word legion also means the most feared military unit that the Western world has ever known, the Roman legion. My name is legion, I belong to empire. Now, after the demon is named, there is progress, but it's still difficult. The demons are still in the man. They continue to negotiate. Don't send us into oblivion. Send us somewhere else. Send us over to those pigs. So Jesus sends the demons into the pigs. And they go into the pigs and they drive them crazy. And the pigs rush off the hillside into the lake and they're drowned. 
Now Mark's version of this story tells us that there are 2,000 pigs in this herd. So it's a great economic and ecological cost. A stark reminder that demonic possession leads to death. It's a difficult and costly process. But Jesus heals this man. He's healed. And it'd be nice if Luke had ended the story there on that happy ending, but it goes on. The pig herders who are responsible for the welfare of the pigs, they're obviously terrified. They've lost their pigs and they've lost their money and probably their jobs and maybe even worse. They run to the townspeople and tell them what happened. The pigs are dead. The pigs are dead. It's not our fault. The strange Jewish rabbi sent them into the lake. The pigs are dead. And the people come out to see what has happened. And they see the man who had been possessed by demons. He has his clothes on. And he's healed. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. The author of Luke has made a point of telling us that this man is naked, as I grew up saying. He's naked. He has no clothes on. So where does he get the clothes? Well, Clarence Jordan, the founder of the Cornania community down in South Georgia, the translator of Cotton Patch Gospels, has a great commentary on this question. He suggests that the disciples of Jesus, they take some of their clothes off and share them with them. Instead of isolating him like the other community has done, they welcome him and they serve him. Lord, when did we see you naked and not give you clothes? I tell you, when you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. So the townspeople come out and they see what all the shouting is about and they see the man clothed in his right mind and their response is, thank you, Jesus, thank you. Finally, somebody that can get rid of these demons. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you. Well, if you listen, they don't say that. Because they not only see the man who is healed, they see all those dead pigs in the water. So much money lost. And they're terrified. So no, they don't praise Jesus. They ask him to leave. Get out of here. Get out of here. Don't disturb our order. We prefer our demons. And here Luke is showing us the most dangerous part of demonic possession. The powers that are the deadliest are not the ones that might be hovering over us waiting to possess us. The most dangerous powers are the ones that are oh so intertwined with our identities. That they've come to be seen as normal. It's part of life. That's what happened to these townspeople. Demonic possession had come to be the norm. We got that guy out there in the cemetery. Just leave him out there. And when Jesus comes into their lives bringing healing and bringing a new reality, their imaginations can't receive it. They're still believing that demonic possession is the natural order. They don't consider and they won't consider this new vision that Jesus is bringing. And so they tell him, get out of here. So Jesus starts to leave. Before he leaves, the man who is healed begs Jesus to let him go with him into the Jesus movement. Now generally, Jesus asks people, come, go with me, follow me. But in this case, he says, no, go back to where you came from. 
Now, on one level, that seems pretty cruel by Jesus. He's already been cruel to the pigs. That's a sermon for another time. Go back to where you came from. Go back to the people who drove you into this demonic possession. Go back to the people now who blame you for the death of 2,000 pigs. But Jesus doesn't just send him back. He tells him to go back and tell everybody what God has done for him. Jesus is confident in the power of God to overcome even demonic possession. So confident that he sends this once tormented man back to the community who tormented him to tell them about God's healing power. And he does that. And it worked. It brought us here today to North Decatur Presbyterian Church. So we thank God for this man who went out and testified. So what should I say about this strange story? Those powers that possess us and this healing which seems so foreign to our modern understanding. Well, there are many places to go, but my time is short, so I'm just going to make a few suggestions as we all let this biblical story kind of percolate in our hearts and minds and find its workings into our imaginations. This story points us to the demons that we need to worry about in our time. Not the head-spinning, garbage-smelling, smoke-blowing kinds of demons that you might see in movies, but rather the systems of power that crush us, the systems of power in the world that are already inside us, taking over our consciousness and our imaginations and our perceptual apparatus long before we have any idea about it. These demonic powers have so defined reality for all of us that their definitions have become normal and natural for us. Their hold on us is so strong that when we're asked to give our names and our identities, we name them. There are demonic powers like racism and white supremacy and sexism and materialism and deep fear of people who love people of the same gender identity. That list is deep and wide of these kind of demonic powers. Most of them inhabited me when I was growing up in the Mississippi River Delta in Arkansas. Indeed, as I look back on it and think about this passage, I was possessed by so many of these demonic powers, I wonder if my name was Legion. I had so many of them. They're still in me on many levels. Here's a powerful part of this system. I received these demons not from the devil, but from people who loved me, people whom I loved, my family, my church, my segregated schools, my teachers. That's how I became demonically possessed. But the great news, the great news for me and for all of us is that Jesus was coming for me. Jesus came for me many times in the middle of my demonic possessions sending witnesses to me again and again and again and still will because I've still got some of those powers in me. Witnesses helping me to name my demons. That's again a story for another time, one of those eight sermons. I'm aware that this demonic consciousness is deeply embedded in me and in all of us. And the healing is costly and difficult. It's why white supremacy is on the rise again. The powers are not going to yield easily. 
That's why the repression of women will gain surely, unfortunately, more power from whatever decision comes from the Supreme Court this summer on Roe versus Wade. It's why there's a strong movement to roll back even the small gains in rights for LGBTQ people. It's why we cling to our guns so much the demonic powers do not yield easily. We owe Luke a great debt for sharing this story with us. In this blunt and bizarre story, Luke wants us to understand how caught we are, how possessed we are, how difficult healing will be for us. It will be tough. But it also tells us something else. Jesus is stepping out of the boat into our territory, coming into our lives where we are possessed by demons, where we prefer the dead to the living. Jesus is coming for us, for you and for me, asking us to name our demons, racism and sexism, and materialism and worship of guns and many others. Asking us to think about and receive a new reality in our lives. Asking us to trust in him so much that we can discern how much the demons possess us. And asking us to trust in him so much that we can begin to allow his healing power into our lives. And asking us to trust in him so that we can begin to see a new way of life for ourselves and for others. A whole new world that we have not been able to previously imagine. So the promise of this story is the God we see in Jesus Christ won't give up on us. God's still claiming us. That's one reason we came today, as Mary Anona said with Annie Dillard's quote. Fasten your seatbelts, because God is coming for us with the power of love. It will be sweet on one level, but it will be a tough on another. Jesus is coming into our territory, where we live, stepping out of the boat, seeking to set us free, to put us in our right minds and help us live out the glorious freedom of the children of God. Jesus is coming for us, to help us here, each of us, like me and all of us, to help us hear that our true identities are not the demons or the traumas that possess us. Our true identities are what we see in this story. Through the healing power of Jesus Christ, we come to know our true identities. We are children of God. Jesus is coming for us. Get ready. Amen.